This is our spiritual growth campaign's last sermon. Spiritual, spiritual progress campaign. What I mean by spiritual and what I've meant by spiritual all along is not private impulses necessarily, but more definitely and concretely, the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit in one's life, conforming you to the image of Christ. That's what we mean by spiritual. By progress, we mean moving forward in that direction, intentionally, with effort, effort, deliberately, and in joy. Spiritual progress. That's what this has been about. We saw the importance of killing sin by the Holy Spirit. And not only killing sin, but also vivifying, bringing to life those things that the Holy Spirit is producing within you, which are... Goodness, kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, long suffering, good. That's what the Holy Spirit, what was that last one? Against these things, there are no law. In fact, that is exactly what the new covenant is. It's the Lord has replaced the law with the Spirit. A law could only tell you what you should do. And that you can't do it and condemn you for, for your inability. But the Spirit not only communicates God's truth to you, but enables you to do it. So that now you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life pleasing to God. And not only pleasing to God, but a life that actually you're able to step in with joy and do it. Not, it's not a matter of drudgery. But it's a matter of living a life that is the most meaningful, most joyful, most precious thing. Like the man who found buried treasure. And he sold all that he had to buy that field. I always talk about this, and so my two brothers up here are laughing at me. Um, so the Spirit. The importance of the Word. When God speaks, things happen. Right? Universes are created when God speaks. And we have His Word in the Scripture. And so I encouraged you towards a daily reading of the scripture every day for the rest of your life. And I hope you take me up on that challenge. Prayer. Because prayer is us speaking to God, us pouring out our hearts to God. Fellowship with God involves two-way communication, not just one-way communication. So it's very important, if we're going to have a relationship with God, that we speak to him. Cast our cares on him. Praise him. Thank him. Think through things in his presence. And finally, the church, the body. It's important that we're here. It's important that through the liturgy of the church, the heart is formed through the, the weekly praise, preaching of the word, the fellowship. We begin to desire the kingdom. The habit of doing this forms the desire in the kingdom and maintains and strengthens the desire for the kingdom. But also, spiritual growth is not just about us growing personally. It's about how we can be useful agents in the kingdom. And so I encourage you to lock arms with your brother and sister in the church, to sacrifice for them, to love them. You know, Ray 
Alvarenga bought me water today because he saw that I was coughing. That was, and doesn't Jesus say, Jesus says, um, you shall not give, oh, if you've given somebody a cup of cold water in my name, you did it to me. No. A, a brother. So, appreciate that, brother. Um, but do, doing even small things for a brother and sister in the name of Christ. <clears throat> That's how you can grow by being useful. Today, we're going to talk about another thing God has given you. So we know he's given you the, the spirit, the word, prayer, the church. But what else has God given you? He's given you earthly things, earthly blessings. And we grow by faithfully stewarding what God has entrusted to us on earth. We grow by faithfully stewarding what God has entrusted to us on earth. A few years ago, when Wesley was six years old, his school had a, um, a book day where they were able to buy things. It was right before Christmas time, I think the first week of December. And so in their school, they had, I suppose, the hallways lined up with books and little trinkets that you could buy. And Wesley went into school and bought me a little gift that he brought home. I think it was about December 5th or 6th. That he brought home wrapped up in wrapping paper with his, well, one of those little stickers on it that said, um, To Dad, Love Wesley. Or maybe it just said, To Dad. Um, now, I wasn't allowed to open the gift on December 5th. We had to wait all the way till Christmas time. But I was really interested to see what this gift was going to be. Um, and on Christmas Day, I was able to open it. And there was a small, as I opened the gift, it was a small wooden plaque that said, Joy to the World on it, that Wesley bought me. Now, two things I want you to note. I could have bought that gift myself, the plaque myself, right? <clears throat> Number two, I supplied the money for him to buy it for me. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have that money himself. I supplied the money for him to buy it. So the question is, why will that always be so precious to me? Why will that small wooden plaque that I could have bought myself and with which Wesley bought for me with my own money why will that be always so precious to me? Answer is because he took what I had given him and he repurposed it. He redirected it back to me to bring me joy. He used what I had given him to bring me joy. I think that's a perfect analogy for Christian stewardship. Um, the essence of stewardship that I'm talking about is redirecting back to God what he has given to me. That's stewardship. And in that sense, all of life is stewardship. From your possessions, to your abilities, to your past experiences in life, which God allowed you to have and go through, to the opportunities he gives you, to the passions he's instilled within you, to the relationships that you have. 
All these things are things that God has given to you. And he has entrusted you with. So to steward them well is to employ them in the service of God. That's my thesis today. And if we see ourselves as stewards and really serve him as stewards of these things, we're going to be more fruitful Christians and more useful in the kingdom of God. All right? So what I want to do is try to convince you really briefly that, number one, you are a steward. Number two, I want to show you some reasons why you might want to redirect back to God what he has given to you. Number three, I want to give you four or five ways on how to do that. So first, first of all, let me try to convince you that you are a steward, not an owner. A steward, by definition, is somebody who manages the possessions of somebody else. And God, being the creator of all things, owns everything. In the ultimate sense, he said to Israel, I don't need your sacrifices and your bulls. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. It's not that I need your offering, necessarily. It's, it's not... It's not a matter of want on my part. That means lack on my part. It's for a different matter that we sacrifice to the Lord. So Paul uses that very principle to combat pride in the Corinthian Christians. They were bragging about their spiritual gifts of all things. The thing that God has given them to build up the body, they were actually boasting about, which is one of the most backwards things I can even think about. But Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? <clears throat> See, a prideful heart, a prideful heart, is going to think that the, my possessions in my abilities are something that I have somehow originated from my own power or have come from out of my own resources. And that leads to possessiveness and boastfulness. But the humble heart sees everything that he or she has been given as that which has originated from the Lord. Not something that I've brought out of myself ex nihilo, but something the Lord has entrusted to me and given me. So, Paul is saying the correct way, Corinthians, to think about your gifts is not as something that you have brought up from your own power. You are not a creator. You're a steward. Not a creator. You're a steward of God's gifts. Now you might say, wait a second, I've worked for my money. Who works hard out there? Nobody. <laughs> but I know you all work hard. I mean, you, you might say, I worked for my money. I think Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18 is very instructive because yes, we do work hard, but even the ability to work hard comes from the Lord. He says to Israel, the Lord, beware lest you say in your heart, 
My own power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives power to you to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to his fathers. It is the Lord who gives you power to get wealth. So, yes, you expend your energy, but it's the energy that God has given you. And if that's true for Israel, how much more true is it in this new covenant state where you and I are filled with God's own spirit? So, I want to encourage you to not think of yourself at all as an originator or creator, but as a steward, even of your own power to get wealth. Even your ability has been given to you by God to entrust faithfully for his glory. So you are not a beneficiary. You know what a beneficiary is? It's somebody that gets benefits from a will or a trust. You're not someone that is just a beneficiary of God's gifts. You're a steward of God's gifts. You've been given them not just only in joy, but to steward for his glory. A steward is one, someone who manages the possessions of another. So, if you resolve to view everything from everything you have as something that's been given to you, and then trust that God is going to supply all of your needs, on top of that, you're going to be freed up to be a joyful and generous steward of what God has given you. So I want to encourage you to adopt a radical mindset today of not being a creator, of not being an owner, but being a steward of God's gifts that he's given you. Now why would one want to redirect back to God what he has given to you? Why, why what motivations do we have for stewarding what God has given to us? I'm glad you asked. Turn with me to Exodus 35. This is truly one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture. Do you know what the tabernacle was built with? It was built with stirred hearts, and willing spirits of God's people. So look with me. I would just kind of, I'm not going to read everything. I'm going to read passages that I think provide the highlights of what's happening here. God tells the people, if your heart stirs you to bring your gold, to bring your threads for the construction of the tabernacle, those of a willing heart and a spirit do so. So I'm going to read Exodus 35, 10, 21, 22, 26, and 29. And I think this creates a beautiful picture for us of God's people working together and stewarding their possessions for the Lord. Exodus 35, verse 10. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Verse 21. And they came... Everyone whose heart stirred him, 
and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting for all of its service and the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 26. All the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun the goat's hair. Verse 29. And all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose hearts moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. What a beautiful picture of God's people gathering together with stirred hearts and willing spirits to serve the Lord. One commentator notes that this is the beginning of what's called the free will offering in Scripture. He writes, The free will offering became a unique type of sacrifice in the Old Covenant, with its distinctive marks being the stirred heart and the willing spirit of his people. So does your heart stir you to do something for the Lord? Is your spirit willing to do something to the, for the Lord? That is a great opportunity to steward what God has entrusted to you for that end. That's a great opportunity to redirect back to God what he has given to you. Whether that is helping a brother or sister in need as your heart stirred, then offer it as a free will offering to the Lord. Is your I remember one time Nitty and I um, we decided to donate to Heart Cray Missionary Society, and my heart was just stirred within me. Both of our hearts were stirred within us, and we wanted to devote this to the Lord. So Every blessing, as the song goes, that God has poured out on you, you can turn back to praise the Lord. So that's one reason you might want to redirect back to God what he has given to you. Worship. Worship. A free will offering. A stirred heart as an expression of love and thanksgiving to the Lord. The next reason you might want to redirect back to God what he has given to you is because you are responsible to do just that. Turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 14. Um, yes, 25, 14. We will be held, I believe responsible to steward faithfully what God has entrusted to us. For it will be like a man going off on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, um, each one according to his ability. All right. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one each according to his ability. Then he went away. He, who had received the five talents, 
went and at once traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter, uh, scatter no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received that with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And that wicked servant was cast into a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we are going to be held responsible for what, is, what God has given to us. Um, the unfaithful servant in this parable was unfaithful with what God has given to him. I think most fundamentally what God has given to us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and there's thoughts about why is this guy thrown into hell <laughs> for bad stewardship. I think first of all the thing he didn't steward was the message of Jesus Christ. But this also applies to the Christian life itself. For those men who were faithful were given and they added to what they were given. Like Peter said, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. Paul talks about men who build upon Christ's work, either with hay or stubble, or build on Christ's work with something solid. How are, we, how are you building on Christ's work? And he said, each one will receive a reward accordingly. But I want to be the one who the Lord says in the end, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will give you, set you over much. Who, who doesn't want that from the Lord? And the Lord is presenting that before you as a motivation to faithfully steward what he has given you.
Whether that's the offer of eternal life, Jesus Christ himself, holiness in the Christian life, or loving God with all your strength, it's all stewardship of what God has given to you. One writer says, Like the servants in the parable of the talents, we will be called to give an account of how we have administered everything we have been given, including our time, money, abilities, information, wisdom, relationships, and authority. That means our life can count for something. You can actually contribute to God's kingdom now by being a faithful steward of what he has given you. You can glorify God. And you can be a good steward. That motivates me. You've been entrusted with earthly possessions to you so that your life can count. So I want to, I think the scripture is calling us to faithfulness. Calling us higher than our flesh will take us, right? Calling us to a forward-leaning commitment to God in the Christian life. That's what the whole spiritual growth campaign is about. I was just talking to Nitty in the car. I did not have a good morning, all right? I was upset because the printer was not working. So I'm, I, I'm frustrated, you know. I just did not have a good morning. I'm kicking Lisa's doll across the floor, walking up the stairs. It was just not good. Not that I was out of control, but it was just not a good morning for me. I did not display the fruit of the Spirit. What's the word for me? Is the word for me, well, God still loves you. I know God still loves me, but my flesh will take advantage of that. I need to be called to something. You know, I asked Nydia in the car... But what's the word for me? I was thinking this very thought with her. She said, strengthen your weak knees and make straight the path for your feet. Right? The, the scripture calls us to a higher faithfulness and devotedness and holiness than I'm at right now. Now, I know God loves me, but it's not like he's, he's not pleased with... He is pleased with joy, but he's not pleased with anger and frustration. He's not pleased when I'm allowing sin to incarnate itself in me, right? So the word for us in that time is not, well, it's all right. It's move forward in the Christian life. Confess your sins to the Lord and he is faithful and just to forgive you and then onward and upward. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. So, responsibility. We will be held responsible for what God has given to us. Finally, reward. You can take your earthly possessions and use them to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, <laughs> that is a cute laugh. <laughs> that is a cute laugh. Luke 12, if you'll turn with me. In Luke 12, Jesus gives another parable. 12, verse 13. He says, 
Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my, my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There are two spheres in which to be rich. You can be rich on earth, or you can be rich in heaven. You can be rich towards men, or you can be rich towards God. Obviously, which one is going to count in 50 years? Which one will be more precious to you in 50 years? Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where earth, where thieves do not break in and steal. So don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's not going to last. That doesn't last eternally. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust don't destroy. Paul says godliness is great gain because it holds out hope for this life and the life to come. And the life to come. Jim Elliott, um, Nydia listens to Elizabeth Elliott a lot. Um, good uh, teacher, woman's teacher, um, but she, she was married to Jim Elliott. And Jim Elliott died on the mission field sacrificing his life for the Lord on the mission field. And a quote which he said, or which is at least accredited to him, he said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Amen? Now, there was one precious young man when I used to work at the bank. I used to be a banker. And part of my job was to, to get people to make a good investment with their money. And um, I remember this young man received a settlement. And it was a $20,000 settlement. And in five years, he was going to get another $20,000. And I believe he was 19 at this time. 18 or 19 at this time. And I, and I wanted to get him to sit down with our financial advisor. Um, Bank financial advisors aren't great, but it was my job. Um, but um, I wanted him to sit down with my financial advisor 
Now, do you know the mutual fund, I think, what I looked up on the Dave Ramsey calculator yesterday, I think it said the S&P is averaging over the past 30 years 11 to 12%. So let's say 8%, let's say 8%. If you put it in a mutual fund, 8% gain over 30 years. That 20,000 would grow by the time, before he was 50, to $2,218,000. The other 20,000 also too would have made about $200,000. That would be a good investment, right? By the time you were 50 to have an extra 500, $400,000, $500,000. That would have been a good investment for him. What he spent it on was not that though. What he spent it on was a young man's dream. I, for some young man, I suppose. He bought a new ATV because he came in, and we talked about this a few weeks later. He bought a new ATV. He got two or three tattoos on his body, and he had one massive silver necklace with a pendant, a diamond <laughs> pendant of a skull with ruby eyes that he came into the bank with, which must have cost a few thousand dollars, and a set of gold teeth. There goes his $20,000. Now, that might seem for some young men like a good investment, but I guarantee you that in 50 years, he would have wished he would have spent that money differently. In 30 years, in 20, 10 years, if and when he does mature, I bet you he's going to wish he spent that money on something different. So, my point is this. Things may seem like a good investment of our time or money or whatever it might be, but in the end, things like that, which only serve this world, will be rottenness to us. In the end, I want us, you, to make a good investment right now. Right now, to start making good investments with what God has given to you. And don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth, like gold teeth and diamond pendants. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where those kinds of things don't rust or destroy. So, those are three reasons, three motivations why you might want to redirect back to God what he's already given to you. Because it can be used, it, you can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven with those things. Number two, because you're responsible to do it. And number three, and most importantly, it's an act of worship to the Lord. It's an act of praise to the Lord. Now, here are some areas in your life that you need to start thinking about in terms of stewardship, and that I think about in terms of stewardship. Number one, and most obviously, possessions. God has entrusted you and me with material goods, like money, which you can put in the service of the Lord. But not just money, think houses. Think money, think clothes, think cars, you can use those material possessions and put them in the service of the Lord. In the Philippian 
to the Philippian church, Paul's, um, they gave Paul money on the mission field. They supported his work on the mission field. And here's what Paul says. He says that this was a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. That church, supporting that missionary, was a sacrifice pleasing to the Lord. I want to please I want to sacri- I want to please the Lord. I want to sacrifice to the Lord. You can use your stuff to bless others. 1 Peter 4, 9 and 10. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. And that's exactly what I'm talking about today. God has variously graced you. So as a good steward of God's varied grace, use it to serve one another. So you might say, but I don't have a bunch of stuff, money. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not wealthy like that. I don't, I don't have a bunch of things like that. Um, number one, remember, and I think this is in the Bible for this very purpose. Remember the might of the old lady. Jesus said that old lady putting in that one might put in more than every other person. Why? Because those people put in a little compared to their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, gave. So what does it cost you? What is it? What is this, the degree of sacrifice? That's the degree of praise. I think, I think that's the degree of praise. Now, yes, small sacrifices are beautiful too. And they're a good thing. And you can ask the Lord to multiply small, small sacrifices. Like the two fish and a few loaves, you can take it to Jesus and say, this is all I have. Please multiply this. Multiply this. And feed 5,000 with this. So, you can use your stuff. Money, cars. We've been given cars before. We've been given lots of things by you. Windshield wipers. Televisions. Money. But we've been, we've been gifted greatly by people. And I'm, I'm sure all of you have gifted others as well and been gifted as well but um, that that is stewardship <laughs> that's stewardship <laughs> I don't know what that is <laughs> yeah um, think to yourself am I the kind of person that God would want to give more stuff to what do I do with it when I have it am I the kind of person God would want to give more money to or more possessions to. What will I do with such things? Um, so that's, that is one sphere of your life you need to start thinking about in terms of stewardship. Second, not only has God trusted, entrusted you with possessions, he's entrusted you with people in your life. Um, who are you in relation to other people in your life? So in other words, I am a 
husband first. I am a father. I'm a brother in Christ with you. I'm a son. Who, how can I steward those relationships that God has given me? He's put me in this place. He's entrusted me with those relationships. How do I steward them? Um, even co-workers. How do I steward? Why has God placed these specific people in my life? I want you to adopt the mind of a steward in those situations. Because these are not people who happen to be in your life only but people whom God has placed in your life or you have been placed in the lives of those people for a reason. So first of all, family is important. Family is the first one I think about. He's entrusted me with my wife and my children. How, how am I going to love my wife and how am I going to raise my children in the nurture and instruction of the Lord? Parents, if, and I think everyone in our church is doing this. So this is, I asked Nidia yesterday, and I think everyone is doing this who has children. But family discipleship is so important. Read the Bible to your children. Talk with them about the Bible. Model to them Christ-likeness. And catechize them with a good catechism. A catechism is a question and answer based way to help children understand the faith. So I like, I've been using what's called the New City Catechism. So the first question is, what is your only hope in life and death? Answer that they remember is that we are not our own, but belong to God. And so it has 52 questions like that. So catechize your children, read them the Bible, pray with them, and do that on a regular basis. I shoot for um, three to four times a week doing this. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But to sit my children down and to do this intentionally for 20 to 25 minutes. This is not always going to be a beautiful time where the kids sit down proper and listen to you. I mean, Wes and Elise inevitably start hitting one another. And sometimes family discipleship ends up in spanking time. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it's the long haul. It's the long haul. So yeah, I'm going to, you just got to trudge through it and know your kids aren't going to sit there perfectly all the time. Sometimes you're going to have to smack them around in the middle of Bible study. But get it done, and the Lord is going to bless it. Um, there's a little book, Don Whitney's little book, called Family Worship. I have one more copy in the back. If you'd like one, I'll give it to you. It's a good, it's a good little primer on how to do this. Now, you might say, what if I failed with my family? You know, what, what if my kids are already raised? How can I steward them? First of all, you can love them the way the Bible says love them. And love is always attended with hope. And love, Paul says, hopes all things and believes all things. Jesus said, 
You can say to this mountain, if you have faith, move and cast it into the sea. So whatever that mountain is with your child, that impossible seeming situation is, is, that he or she is in, that is a mountain by faith that God is pleased to move through prayer. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. I heard a story about uh, there's a person named Christopher Yuan. Christopher Yuan. Y-U-A-N. And he tells a story about how he was living a reckless life. Lived a homosexual lifestyle, got heavy into drugs, became a drug dealer himself and wound up in jail. But his mom was praying for him. Praying for him every day. And if I remember the story correctly, his mother had a sheet of paper, a long sheet of paper that she would write, I think, her prayers on for, for her son. Pardon? Yeah, like a receipt roll, like almost like a scroll, think of it. And she would pray over her son. And for years, I think, this went on. And today, he is now a professor at an evangelical seminary. That man. Has, it is, his life has totally changed. And I think it was because of the prayers of a loving and faithful mom. And I think at the end... He, he has this paper. It's a long sheet of paper filled both sides with the prayers of his mother. Do not, do not lose hope in Christ and his ability to transform a person. Amen? Love hopes all things and believes all things. And hope will not make us ashamed. So as long as somebody has breath in them and life in them, I have hope that the power of God can transform that person. Closing out then. What about abilities and passions that God has given to you? I have watched now for about five years Sister Ingrid make dresses and blankets and knit things for people. Because that's a gift she has. And she uses it to bless others. Exodus 35, in that, par in that story I read, says, Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its hooks, and its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases. So God uses the skill of people. Use that for God's glory. If you can find a way to do so, do so. Even small things. Even small things done consistently. Raise a great cook. Great cook stuff for Bible study. Um, also passions. What unique passion has the Lord given you? What unique passion has the Lord given you and no one else? Or how, how, what unique passion has God placed on your heart in particular? Think about how you can employ that for the kingdom. Lastly, gospel opportunities. 
Uh, my dad told the story to me just two days ago. He said he was getting pizza at Danny's Pizza in Wardsboro. And Danny's Pizza restaurant in Wordsboro has a bar right next to it. And so he's waiting for his pizza there, and he hears right next to the bar some people talking about the Bible, swearing and things like that. Just like, ah, yeah, you know, I'm getting this stuff, this thing on my phone, this Bible stuff on my phone. And they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're sailor-like gentlemen just talking about the Bible. And, um, and my dad saw that as a gospel opportunity. And when he got his pizza, he came over. Um, my dad can be a little intense sometimes. So he came over and he said, I'm glad to hear you, you men talking about the Bible, the Word of God. <laughs> and he said, you know my favorite verse? For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And... Um, and, they, and my dad said they were like, whoa, who is this guy at the bar? <laughs> and um, so he talked to them about the Bible, talked to them about Jesus. And, and eventually, these people were asking questions to him. It was a gospel opportunity. I felt like that sometimes. You, you know, it's like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Sometimes the Lord is going to say in your heart, go and attach yourself to that chariot. And speak the gospel to that person. This is why tracks are so good. I have some tracks in the back if you like them. Because it's a great way to start. And just be blunt about it. Hey. I, I think the Lord is telling me to give you this. This is a track that tells you about the gospel. I am a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again. And that through him. Through faith in him, you can be reconciled to God. And give him the track, and, and it's a great way to start. Gospel opportunities. Steward those. Steward those gospel opportunities. And he may give you more opportunities. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There is a principle of sowing and reaping in the scripture. So if you want to be a man of God, be holy. If you want to be used of God, be useful, and God will give you more. Now, stewardship then is not one more thing you have to do, one writer said. It's seeing everything we already do in a different life, a light, and for a different purpose. So, redirect back to God what he has given to you for your for his glory. Amen? And be a good steward that way. Now, I want to give you one opportunity as a body that we can steward um, a situation with. Um, as you know, Sarah and Ben Ferreira's mother, Kelly, has been going through a lot spiritually lately. And she, there, there seems to be a, a spiritual oppression here. So, I want to encourage you to join tomorrow in prayer and fasting for deliverance and us to come to, together. Uh, I'm going to just read what Sarah wrote on the um, band app.
If you have the band app, great, you saw. If you don't have it, see Gary, he can get you the band app. This is our prayer chain for the church. Oh wait, that's your prayer, Sarah. Um, Sarah's in children's church. Um, now, she said, hey everyone, I would like to invite you, if you feel so led, to fast and pray this coming week, starting tomorrow or Monday, today we're talking about Monday, for my mom, that she might be freed from any, any spiritual oppression and be able to let go of the things she admits are holding her in bondage and be able to repent and truly trust the Lord in her situation and not resist God. At times in her attacks, she is not able to receive God's word or really come to him in prayer. Pray that before her situation changes financially and otherwise, she can have peace and joy in the Lord and not anxiety and darkness. Pray her heart, um, pray her heart is open to the Lord and she resists the lies of the enemy, replacing them with the truth of God's word. Pray for a breakthrough. This doesn't have to be a full fast, but it could be anything you enjoy or that takes some time. Watching TV, social media, eating at night, breakfast, etc. And not just give up something for its own sake, but using that time you would have spent doing that thing to have some focused prayer. Again, only if you feel so led. Think and pray about it. God bless you. So if your heart stirs you today, and if your spirit is moved within you for this situation, I want to encourage us all to fast tomorrow. This can be a fast like Sarah invited us to of anything to any amount. It can be breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It could be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It could be instead of watching television at night, pray at night. Um, whatever you do, take the thing you're fasting. I, I didn't talk about fasting this spiritual growth campaign because there's just so much to cover. I'm going to put it in the guide that I'm, that I'm working on that's taking a long time. But um, fasting is putting your stomach where your heart is. So you, you really want this? Put your stomach into it. So it's, it's praying with your whole body, fasting, not just your mind. And you're taking that hunger, that pain, and you are transposing it into your hunger for God to act and move in this situation. You're taking that and saying, this is how much, Lord, I need this or want you in this situation. All right? So, I want to invite you to do that tomorrow um, and be in prayer for the Ferreira families, Sarah and Ben, and, um, and especially Kelly, to be delivered from this situation because hope loves all things and uh, love hopes all things and believes all things. With that said, be a good steward of what God has given to you, and you will grow and have opportunities. Let's close in a word of prayer.